This episode of the All Things Small Biz podcast is proudly brought to you by the Podcast Butler. For everything involved in starting a podcast or editing and supporting an ongoing one, reach out to thepodcastbutler.com. Welcome to All Things Small Biz, a podcast to help you take the leap and run your own business from someone who has done it themselves and wants to share what they learnt with you. Hello and welcome to the All Things Small Biz podcast. My name is Sarah Hales, your host, and today we'll be talking about chasing your dreams and building a business around them. We will talk to our beautiful guest, Alex, from Barilda Park Equine and Barilda Park Weddings. But as always, before we get into our chat with our guest, we're going to talk to Brian. Now, before I introduce or allow Brian to speak, sorry, sorry, Brian's got COVID and we are currently in isolation. So the kids, we have uh, done some excellent parenting. We've given them over to their third parent, the television, and uh, we, I can actually hear everything coming through my earphones because the microphones are so sensitive that I can hear exactly what they're watching on the TV. So if we get interrupted by our small friends, that's what's going on. So how are you, Bri? I'm quite well, thank you. You are quite well. I'm I'm pleased that you're well. We are isolating. I have not yet tested positive and I've done five tests, so I think I'm good. Yeah, you've done you've done a couple of tests a couple of weeks ago as well. Yes, um, yeah. Because you had a, we're calling it a daycare flu. I had a little bit of a daycare bug a couple of weeks ago. And um, but they don't seem to be getting the, the COVID bug. No, no, which is good. I'm happy not to have it. But uh, I've definitely had exposure to it through you. Mm. You know how they, oh, I don't know, on the test it says you've got to set the timer and wait for 10 minutes. Yours just, you dropped it in there. It went, the line was there straight away. <laughs> Yeah. There was no need to wait for 10 minutes. Yeah, so it, it, everyone out there that hasn't had it or has had it, everyone's had different experiences. Yeah. I've um, had pretty heavy cold symptoms, I would say. Mm-hmm. But overall, you've felt well. Yeah, I haven't been too fatigued or anything. Uh, I was able to mow the lawn yesterday afternoon. I have a, like a little bit of a, a husky sort of a growl in my, in my voice, but I... It's not nothing any more than what a normal cold would be, I believe. So, mm. so uh, Brian, some of the wins of the week that I've had, I have, I don't know if I mentioned this last week. Did I mention this last week? I didn't know how to use Kajabi. I always deliver my course live and in person over Zoom, and then we record it and we have a group that that goes into so that the participants can watch it back. But what I notice is that when I do it that way, we're talking about examples from other people's businesses. So what I've now done is I have put the course fully online. So the participants go and they watch the modules um, at a time that's convenient to them. And when they come to our live Q&A call, they can actually come with questions for their specific business. And it just allows them to get like more out of the course because it's specific to them and solving their exact problems. But my win is really that when I started this idea, I decided that I was going to use Kajabi as my online course platform and I didn't know how to use it. 
So I went full Sarah on the situation and I decided that I was going to put everything over onto Kajabi on a Friday and by the Monday I was black belt. I had worked it out, I had the whole course uploaded, I'd started re-recording the content and I'm just super super proud of myself because it would have been really easy to give up. What do you think about that, Bri? I want you to explain what full Sarah Oh, God. I just refuse to let things beat me. Mm -hmm. And if if it means I need to do research, if I need to, you know, Google things, watch videos, like I just go into a zone where there is no other option than to get it done. And it can be ir- it can be irritating to the people around me because I will absolutely not take no for an answer. Yeah, it does become irritating, but it does get the job done. Yeah. Right, Sarah, what's been going on west of the waves this week? Uh, this week we have reinvigorated our affiliate program. So, we have reopened our affiliate program. We've got six new affiliates on the books. We are setting up their access and getting that all live. So, that's been a bit of a task for west of the waves. But the uh, affiliate for- program is great because... Essentially, those people are people who love West of the Waves enough that they are prepared to share it with their network, Mm -hmm. which is a really, really great advertising and marketing tool. Awesome. Yeah. Does your e-commerce course, does that relate to having affiliates and stuff as well? Or does that teach you how to get affiliates involved in your products or in your business? Yeah, absolutely. We definitely do. We pretty much have a whole module on affiliates and also working with influencers because there's one thing that I don't love and that is when an influencer, say, approaches you and says, you know, you give me a dress which might cost $250 retail, and I will wear it and promote it to my audience. If you're not clued up to what to do in that situation, how to handle those inquiries, um, how to set up a framework around it so that Mm -hmm. you get the best value for your business, you know, there can be times when those influencers might share your product once on their story and then you'll never see or hear about it again. And, I've had some bigger names wear my clothing and whilst we would like to think that that relationship might um, take your business business viral and have, you know, all of these orders coming into your store, oftentimes that is not the case. So, we talk about strategies where you can foster those relationships but you can get the most value out of it as well. Nice. Because if you, you know, if you were to give away that dress, say it costs, yeah, you could sell it for $250 retail, but the cost of it might be $100 or $150. They need to bring a sale in to cover the cost of the dress you gave them mm. and the dress that, you that you've then sold. So, if they bring in one sale, they probably haven't even covered the cost because there's also the postage, there's your time in organising it. So, they need to bring in you know, more than one sale to recoup the cost. Mm. And then you've lost out on profit. You need to have some rules in place, some understanding in place, you know, an agreement as to what they will post, how often they will post, whether or not they're going to return the goods or keep them. Mm -hmm. You know, so when you're first starting out, there's a lot to navigate. 
So one thing I did want to uh, to say today was that with the new website that I've set up for the e-com uh, side of the business, I want everybody to jump onto our website, www.sarahales.com and sign up to our email. We share loads and loads of tips and tricks on our Instagram account in the form of reels. So we've been doing lots of little Canva hacks, Excel hacks, um, you know, picture hacks, all of that sort of thing. But the level of information that we share on our email list is you know, a bit deeper into some of those tips and tricks. So make sure you head over to the website and sign up to become part of our email list. Little Astrid has just joined us in the studio, so we'll see whether or not she's able to keep herself quiet. Okay, Sarah, we better get on to our actual questions. So we're talking about chasing our dreams. So what does chasing your dreams mean? Well, actually about that, Brian, I asked you to help me come up with a name for this episode and you are the one who came up with chasing your dream. And I was talking to our producer, Sam, and he just started laughing and he was like, what has Brian become? Is he, you know, some kind of inspirational speaker turning into an inspirational speaker. So what do you think chasing your dreams means? Why did you come up with that name, Brian? Well, each of our businesses yeah. is about chasing our dreams. So, West of the Waves is chasing your dreams and passion of wanting to be able to be on the land and also being able to have that relaxation time of the beach and the waves and surfing and paddleboarding and, and doing all those things, even, even wakeboarding. Sarah, what does your dream business look like? Mm, my dream business looks like something that brings income into our family so that we can live the life that we want to live, but also allows us the flexibility that we would like to have as well so that we can spend time with our children so that you don't have to be away working all the time so that you can be here for special occasions. You know, just before, you know, this COVID situation, Jack was finishing kindergarten and they had an Easter bonnet parade and you weren't able to come to that. And I know that there are a lot of people out there in the world who miss out on significant occasions. But what my dream for my business is, is to not be reliant on someone else, not be reliant on another company, not be reliant on a specific town or a specific place, ha allow us the freedoms that we want to have so that we can do the things that we want to do with our family. Like what you said, Sarah, is exactly what I'm looking for in life as well. I'm looking for the time and the space to be able to do the things that I enjoy and not be dictated to what hours I have to work. Yeah. Now- I think we've spent enough time chatting. Let's have a chat with Alex, the lovely Alex. This episode of the All Things Small Biz podcast is proudly brought to you by the podcast Butler. For everything involved in starting a podcast or editing and supporting an ongoing one, reach out to thepodcastbutler.com. I know that I briefly introduced Alex at the top of the podcast, but I just wanted to tell you a little bit more about her. Alex is a horse lover. She's a communication specialist, a copywriter, a wedding planner, but she's also a mother, a wife, and together her and her husband Lee are living their dream. 
So maybe, Alex, could we start by getting you to tell the listeners a little bit more about where you're based at Barilda Park? Thank you for that beautiful introduction, Sarah. We're based in a little 3,000-person town at the foot of the Blue Mountains called Obron. Oh, how beautiful. And you get snow there, don't you? We do. We get a lot of snow every year. We've just built a, an arena and we've had to get it fully snow-loaded because it, the snow is full on. Oh my gosh, I just find that so funny. So the foot of the Blue Mountains, it's such a beautiful area. How far away from Orange are you? So Bathurst is 45 minutes from us and then 45 minutes past that is Orange. So about an hour and a half. Okay, radio. I've been to Bathurst and I've been to Orange, but I haven't been to Oberon. I'd love to get there one day. You come here whenever you like, Sarah. <laughs> yep, I definitely will take you up on that one. Yes. So Alex... Barilda Park, tell us a little about this little piece of paradise that you guys own. Um, well, it's 140 acres. It used to be a pea and potato farm and it would, when we bought it, it hadn't been touched really in maybe, gosh, 15, 20 years. Every fence had fallen down and there was no power. There was, wasn't any tanks. There was one really cool stone block shed and that was it. Yeah. And so we've spent the last four years putting all of our infrastructure on it, and it's finally inhabitable now. How beautiful. So was it named before you bought the place? Yes, it was. It had two names. At first it was called Sunset Park, and then it was changed to Coles Park, I think it was, Coles Valley Park. But we, Lee and I, my husband Lee, since forever, he calls me Poss, Possum, and it came from my grandfather always calling me little possum he's a hungarian and every time i'd show up he'd go hello my lily possum so lee picked that up and everything was poss 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 and i didn't even respond to alex for so long and we thought when we buy a property lee loves aboriginal names my parents place is yep. called amaru which means beautiful place in aboriginal just really indigenous beautiful names and so we looked up what possum was like as an indigenous name and it was Barilda, was place of the possum. So it was a joke that when we buy a property, we'll call it Barilda Park and it just stuck. It didn't go anywhere. Oh, that's nice. It's so good that it's got such meaning behind it as well. Yeah. Do you see any little native possums getting around? No, not really. <laughs> we see some deer out in the pine forest. I think our little dog cowboy probably makes sure that nothing comes near us. Yeah, true. So, Alex, did the business part come first or the property? The business started first. The business was mm -hmm. the catalyst to get the property. So, the business yeah. started in 2015 when Lee and I met and mm -hmm. we ran it from Lee's family property. So, they've got 50 acres just outside Bathurst. We lived in a shed house, in their shed house there while we saved and Lee was working at the mines at the time and on his off week he'd ride the horses with me and so it really started there. Yeah, right. So what did the business look like when you first started? The business was quite small. It was a lot of off-the-track standard breads. So I'd been working at a magazine as a journalist and on the side of that I was starting off-the-track racehorses and Lee was working in the mines as a diesel mechanic and in his off week he would shoot ruse professionally and we just saved and saved and saved. So it was full on but it definitely wasn't what it is now. Yeah, so so you just were training those horses and then selling them, like rehoming them? Yeah, yeah. So I'd get them 
this was probably three, four, five years before I met Lee, I'd get them off the racetrack and start them under saddle, give them a really basic education just for trail riding and pleasure riding. And then I think I might have, there might have been between 100 and 150 that I started and then sent to nearly every state in Australia. I never cracked WA or Tassie, but everywhere else has one of my standard reds. Wow. How did you get into that? What made you think I'm going to um, start training these horses and rehoming them? I got given a, an, off, an off the track, I think she was a four-year-old standard bred called Barbie and she was about to go on a dog truck. And I just thought, I reckon I could have a crack at, uh, you know, I'd been riding. I was a gung-ho rider for many years, no education, but all of the ignorant balls in the world. So I would just jump on them, jump off their back, slide off their bums and get on and off all these horses that I had no business getting on and off. So I thought I could do a standard bread. That'd be all right. And then I had a lineup of people that wanted her when she was done. And so I had other trainers that came along and said, would you like another one? And then another trainer would come along. And then eventually all the local trainers, when they'd sack their horses, they would come and just bring them to my place. And I would do what I was going to do and just give them that really basic education and then they go off to their new homes. Amazing. So tell us then about how you met Lee. I wish I had a more romantic story to tell you, but I met him on Facebook. He, yes, he was I know this. <laughs> Brian, I met Brian on Facebook too. <laughs> the modern day love story, isn't it? Oh, isn't it? Whatever. He tells the story of seeing a photo of me sitting sidewards on a Palomino, little Palomino quarter horse. And he thought, okay, she's a bit outdoorsy. So he added me and that was a big lie. Like I'm not super outdoorsy. <laughs> <laughs> it's taken him a couple of years to get me to, to go proper camping. But yeah, he just added me on Facebook. And then I was waiting for him for what seemed like weeks. He kept liking all of my photos, like a proper creeper and just didn't send me a message. And on my Facebook, it said at the time I lived up in Morumbah, Queensland, and I just moved back. So he thought, oh, I'll just like her photos. So I think she might be local, but I think pretty sure she lives up north. When he found out that I lived locally and we lived seven minutes from each other, it was on. We had Chinese dinner and I never left. There you go. That sounds really quite familiar. But what happened with Brian and I was that he liked one of my photos and then same thing. We didn't, well, he he liked or sent me a friend request and I didn't accept, but I didn't delete it. I must have just pressed ignore and it was just there in the background. So every time someone else would send me a re friend request, I'd, you know, accept Alex, say, for example, and it would pop up like, have you forgotten this one? So this guy kept popping up and uh, he had the same last name as people that I knew. And it got the better of me because I was like, oh, should I know this guy? am I just being horrible that I don't remember him? Did I meet him somewhere and I don't know? He's quite handsome. And eventually I accepted. And then, you know, he'd send me a message every now and then for probably about six months. It was about six months before we met. And then same thing, as soon as we met, it was on. And we, you know, we were married in like 10 months from meeting. But when it got to our wedding, it was really funny because his dad had gone to school with my mum, his uncle and auntie were friends with my uncle and auntie. Like we were just, you know, seating plan was easy because everybody already knew each other and I don't know how we'd never met. How good is that? Meant oh, to be, so Sarah. funny. 
And his mother was actually born on the cattle station next door to the cattle station that we live on now. So, you know, like the, it was a it was a very like deep and long connection over generations, but we had never met. And you were just going to ignore this needle in a haystack. And I was just going to ignore him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how funny. So um, getting back on track from our love stories, <laughs> when you and Lee got together, how did the business progress from there? What happened next? What happened next was I had an accident, a riding accident, and through that accident, we found a massive gap in the equine market in two different places. So after I had my first act, I've had two. So after I had my first accident, I really wanted to talk to people online about being nervous in the saddle and not about learning how to ride or anything like that, just about nerves. And so I couldn't find any equine community that existed that we could just openly, freely talk about that. Everything that I was seeing was I won this buckle on this weekend. I got the highest point score this weekend. Here's all my sashes and here's all these beautiful videos. But no one was saying like it was a massive feat for me to mount today without a mounting block, you know. So I couldn't find a community like that. So I was like, well, I'm going to build one. So I already had yeah. my standard bread page, which was at the time was called a change of pace. I'm very punny mm. like that. And yes, so I just yes. changed the name of it to um, after our possum joke to Barilda Park Equine. And I just made that a hub for me to talk about what I was experiencing with nerves. And people came in the hundreds and then people came in the thousands. And from that point, it just went gangbusters. And I could talk about whatever I wanted to talk about and utilize my copywriting skills and that, that you know, that journalistic passion that I had. And I just basically blogged everything that I was going through. Then it got to a point, so the, the second field that there was a big gap in was I needed a horse. So I didn't need a beginner's kick along horse. I didn't need a super competitive horse, but I wanted something as well trained as a super competitive horse, but as quiet as a kick along. And I couldn't find one. And I spent a lot of time Mm -hmm. and a lot of money trying to find one. And I just wish someone would have come along and said, hey, I'm going to hand select a horse for you. And then you're going to tell me all about yourself. And I'm going to train this horse with you very much in mind. And then in 12 months time, we're going to have some lessons and we're going to go to some clinics and you're going to take this horse and it's going to be your dream horse. And I don't care if I'm paying a premium for it. If I'm going to have this horse from a three-year-old to a 27-year-old, I'm happy to wait. I'm happy to pay the money. That did not exist. And so at the time I was dating a trainer. That very much does not exist, it do- well, like, you know, on the general scheme of things. Sarah, it does exist. We created it. It does now. It does now. It does now. So at the time I was dating a trainer who's now my husband and he just did that for me. So he's like, what do you want to do? What do you want it to look like? So he just did that whole process for me and spat out the most awesome horse. So I was thinking we've got all these thousands of people now who are on this this Burrell Park Equine page, what if we offer this boutique service, this boutique experience to that online community? And it just took off from there. Oh my God, that's amazing. And Alex, we've talked before about your accident where you broke both your arms and the program that Lee put in place for you then to get back into the saddle. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So I broke both of my wrists and are coming off a completely ill-trained horse that I had no idea. And Lee was riding constantly on his off week from the mines. And I was like, I'm, I'm too nervous. I don't want to get on. I don't want to do anything. Oh, I'm happy to brush the horses if that. I was just so nervous. And he 
that he was really sad because he'd lost his right-hand man and he didn't want to do everything by himself. And so he came up with this, this program where he packaged up everything that he was doing with, with all of his horses and he made it into a really easy to understand ground leadership program and then ridden program. And he said, I'm going to teach this to you. And he did. And I got so much confidence and it was really, really, really lucky that he did teach me that because that served me for the next five years until I had a very, very big accident. Yeah, right. So, well, what happened next? So, from there, we ended up offering the same as we did with the our graduate program that we ended up calling our graduate horse program. We started, I packaged it all up into clinics and we started to travel with these clinics teaching our community. So we'd rent show grounds or private properties or did some at our place and just do all of these clinics focusing on confidence boosting. And that was awesome. And just watching all of these ladies who were where I was when I first started learning what Lee had put together, flourish just like I had, was so good. And then in 2018, we were riding through the bush and my horse, unbeknownst to me, I I dragged my saddle pad through the bush and whacked it on him and it was a brand new saddle. I popped it on him and we're riding through the bush and he kept trying to roll and I was at spur him up. I, you know, it was my birthday. I'm trying to watch out for lots of other things. I'm having a great time. And he was trying to tell me something wasn't right. And I'd, I'd lagged so far behind on this trail ride that I thought I'll just canter up to everyone. I was at the very back. And in that first canter stride, he wasn't right. And he humped and I came over the front of the saddle and basically was straddling his neck. And he's bucked and I've come off the side and my foot was caught in the stirrup and I couldn't get it out. And I just remember seeing the underside of him bolting through the bush and I was going over every bit of of foliage and debris that there was all through the bush until my foot came out of my boot and he just cannoned off with my boot stuck in the stirrup. And we had about 20 of our friends riding with us at that point in time. And he ran straight over to them and they had to watch as I was I was screaming out Lee's name. It must have been awful for him to watch and he couldn't do anything about it. He was just watching this happen. Yeah, that sounds terrifying. It was for everybody, I think. So the SES came, they cut fences and funnily enough, it was Lee's very first time that he'd ever called for an ambulance at how old was he? 32 years old. And they mm-hmm. came in and got me and I'd broken my arm in five places and they took me to hospital. And it was a bit of a process from there. Yeah, right. Oh, my gosh. Do you want to go into what yeah. happened beyond that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't so, want to push you past what you're prepared to talk about. No, but. no, that's fine. So from there, my arm got put in a slab for 12 weeks because they wanted to avoid surgery to avoid no, any nerve damage because there could be some really serious nerve damage if they got it wrong or if things were not in the right place. So... It went in a slab for 12 weeks and, it, you know, one of the most traumatizing bits of the whole thing was the sound. So I would get up in bed and Lee could actually hear my bones like going together and I would just be mm. screaming in agony. And I was thinking, you know, as long as it heals, that's fine. And after 12 weeks, I went to have my cast taken off and they x-rayed it and they said, we're so sorry, this hasn't healed 1%. We need you to go up to Sydney and have surgery now. 
So I went up into the surgery and they, uh, there was a small chance that by operating and putting in a 20 centimeter plate in my arm, nine screws and a synthetic bone graft, that in that process they could damage the nerve. And if they damaged the nerves, if they had to pull them out of the brakes, they had to do different things, that my arm could become paralyzed. But it was a, it, you know, it was a chance, but these things happen to other people. So I came out of surgery and they said it would just be an overnight stay and I could go home and my entire right arm was completely paralyzed. I couldn't feel anything. I couldn't do anything. And they said this, this, this should come back in the next couple of days. You know, it could be fine. And six days later, we were still in the hospital. We didn't pack anything, at least six foot six, and he slept on a recliner for six nights. He wasn't supposed to stay, but the nurses loved him because being a good little Italian boy, his mum taught him how to do hospital corners and he'd change my bed and he'd shower me and he'd go and get me food. And I was just a patient that they did not have to worry about, Yeah, which is good. And that started a six-month trajectory that it just didn't come back. I had no feeling in my arm whatsoever and the muscle started to degenerate and it was just a, it's like a really limp. I developed what's called radial palsy and I had to learn how to navigate life a bit differently. So Lee learned how to do three beautiful, beautiful hairstyles. He learned how to become a hairdresser and he'd blow dry my hair. He'd have to drive me everywhere because I had a uh, manual and I couldn't drive my car. Yeah, I became very dependent on him, but it was very connective time, funnily enough. Yeah. And then we got married and I had to have somebody place my hand over the bouquet and because I and, and take the bouquet off me because I couldn't physically grip it myself. And I couldn't put the ring on Lee's finger. And then it was a couple of weeks after we got married. I was sitting by myself on the lounge and I felt this tingle. Now, it was only maybe six weeks before this that I'd had some nerve conduction studies done. So they'd put big needles into my arm and then they would electrocute me. Mm, I've, I've actually had an NCS as well. Have you? Yeah, I have. Yeah. It's it's not comfortable, is it? It's not comfortable at all. And it's, you know, it's, it's mental as well because you're thinking like, please find something, anything, mm. give me some kind of hope. Yeah. Oh my God. It, you're bringing back memories for me because I had flown down to Brisbane, like with my eye injury, I'd flown down to Brisbane and I thought I can just um, book a later flight to come home because, you know, I'll have a little bit of time to go shopping. But midway through them zapping you, and I can only think that it was like the intensity of an electric fence, but they do it like 10 times really close together. Midway through, the doctor kind of just reached over, grabbed a box of tissues and handed it to me like, oh, this is the point when people start crying. And I did. The tears just started and I couldn't stop it. But it was almost like shell shock because when I was sitting in the airport that afternoon waiting for my plane, I just loud noises would set me off again. I just needed to quietly sit in the corner because they really do a number on your nervous system. Mm, yep. And the permanency of nerves and the, how serious and how delicate they are. And when you yeah. are delivered news that is less than ideal, no one teaches you how to cope with that. No, not at all. Just figure it out as someone tells you. My thing with that experience was that they didn't actually find anything wrong. So 
I had had, um, you know, this, you know, and I've talked about my injury in, you know, other podcasts and whatever, but I had been through the absolute ringer and had all of these tests. And then I go and have this test. What I was experiencing was they didn't find anything and then they didn't find anything and then they didn't find anything. So I was continuously having to be subjected to these, you know, tests and very uncomfortable. I mean, I've had a lumbar puncture where you can literally feel them taking the spinal cord fluid. It's like your your actual brain moves because uh, like you can feel it and they didn't find anything. It was awful. So I can't imagine what you were going through. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Very few people can actually empathize with what I went through like you can and like anyone <laughs> who's had nerve damage. But they yeah. said that there's millions of nerves in my arm and we just need one. If we can just find one, it will. It'll might take a bit longer, but it will come back. And they found nothing, absolutely nothing. And I've just never felt so defeated sitting in that surgery. And they – um. They then said, we'll get, we'll do one more thing and we'll do an ultrasound. And they found this one little nerve that was trying desperately to make its way back. And they said, look, this could be two years. It could be two days. We don't know. And so that couple of weeks after our wedding, I was sitting on the lounge by myself and I felt this little, little tingle in my thumb. And I could, I could just for the tiniest millimeter could move my thumb. And then the next day I felt a little bit more tingling and I was like, the nerves made it. It's done this big journey and this one little tiny nerve out of millions has finally, finally made it. And so... Did you tell anyone? I didn't. You know, it's funny. I I really, I didn't. Like I didn't, I, I told family and friends, but I didn't. I'm so active on our social media and it was just like I just closed the chapter. Yeah. Once yeah, it all came I can back. understand that. I could, I can imagine myself not even telling Brian <laughs> to start <laughs> off with. I would have been like, "Oh no, I'm not, I'm not quite sure about this. I'll just wait a little while." Yep, yep. Because it's something I never thought was going to happen, and I thought, "What if I get excited and then it stops?" Yeah, I, I completely understand. That must have been so difficult to go through. Yeah, it was. But it makes it's funny. A couple of things happened in that time. It made me not nervous when I came back to ride. Because I mm-hmm. I had convinced myself that I'm nervous any I was nervous anyway, I'm not gonna ride with one arm. So I may never get to do this ever again. I've resigned myself to that. I yeah. thought I may never have kids because I can't I don't can't change a nappy with one hand. Like I mean I probably would have taught myself how to, but mm. it's a really big extra challenge. I can't cuddle my baby with both arms. And yeah, definitely it shifted my perspective in a way that a lot of people will never, most people will never get to experience having such a serious disability and completely coming back from it. My God, you're just an absolute powerhouse. So did you own the property at this point? Uh, We did, yes. So we moved in four weeks after this happened. Wow. After the accident to damage your arm in the first place? Yeah. Oh, my God. Talk about whirlwind. It was. And I I remember just thinking all I want to do is – put my cups away and make it my home. And I just couldn't properly do it because I was I was doped up on endone and had a sling, had my arm in a sling and it wasn't it well, it wasn't the moving and experienced I hoped, but I've definitely made up for making it homely since then. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're going to put it in the show notes, but I want everybody to go and check out the Barilda Park page because Lee and Alex have the most beautiful buildings, the most beautiful gardens, the most beautiful undercover arena. It's such, such a gorgeous place. And I'm so excited to come down and see you guys. So tell us what the business looks like now, because you obviously started out humble beginnings, just training a few standard bred horses. Then you brought on the clinic aspect and the ground leadership and the ridden program. So what does the business look like now? And what is it that you offer now? So it's broken up into three facets within the equine, under the equine umbrella. Uh, We've got the graduate program, then we've got lessons, and then we've got clinics. So the yeah. graduate program is our probably our main focus at the moment at this time of year. So the graduate program looks like each year we'll either buy or breed five or either buy five yearlings or we'll breed a few. Um, and then we select five riders per year to come on board and basically enter into that dream that I wish somebody had come to me and said, hey, this is a program that you can do and we will do all of the heavy lifting for you. So it's 12 months. They leave a deposit and then at about the eight or nine-month mark, we select their horse from that five that we've got in our pool. They then join a, like a Facebook group and Lee will keep them regularly updated. So they if he takes – we've got a few ladies in one at the moment, so if he takes their horse out into the pine forest, he will take a video of that. If he's teaching another horse flying lead changes, he's taking a video of that. So we've made like a micro community within our bigger community. So when these people take their horses home, they've already got four really good friends that they've done this really unique thing with. Mm-hmm. Then in that time they'll come and have some lessons with us. Well, with, not with us, with Lee. I'm there for – support and comedic relief and then (laughs) they will do if there's a clinic on they'll use that horse in the clinic as well really get a feel for it they get a vet check done make sure everything's mickey mouse there fix up their balance take their horse home and then we give them 14 days to ride the absolute back off that horse and we've had some ladies take long service leave some of them take sick leave or time without pay and to make sure that they are taking this horse up every hill that they've got and into every dam that they've got into lessons with their new coach if they're interstate. And then if they don't like it, they can bring it back. Lee says as long as it's got four feet and heartbeat, they can bring it back. No Mm -hmm. one's ever bought a quarter horse graduate back. But we just feel like the way that we've structured that in a very turn and burn industry like the equine industry, the horse industry as a whole, let's be honest, that gives us a lot of longevity in the partnerships. Absolutely. That's so beautiful. Now, as I said earlier, I'm going to make sure that we have Barilda Park, Barilda Park Weddings, all of your contact details in the show notes. But I just wanted to say a massive thank you for coming on the podcast today. It's been such a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you for that, Sarah. Okay, now it's time for today's wrap-up snap quiz. Okay. Do you think your dreams are as good as my dreams? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course they are. Do you really think that your dreams are your dreams? What does that mean? Well, a lot of people are pressured in their life by outside influences and some people actually don't ever fight for their dreams. So, do you think your dreams are your dreams? Good question. I see where you're going with that. I feel like maybe when I was younger, no, 
that, you know, there might have been certain things that I did, you know, to prove something to people or whatever. But I think now, yeah, they are, my dreams are my dreams. Would you rather talk to clients or be silent? Ah, uh, definitely talk to them. Definitely. Do you prefer the product business or the services business? Uh, services, I think. Yeah, services. I love the product-based business and I love getting out and talking to people. But uh, for moving parts, I think, if that makes sense, like moving parts being needing to set up pop-up shops and all of that kind of stuff with the little kids and whatever, that can be quite challenging. So at this point in time in my life – I feel like the services is a little easier to manage. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have. I really enjoyed my chat with Alex today. Make sure you jump onto uh, the Ecom Hub on both Facebook or Instagram, or like I was saying at the start of the episode, please jump onto www.sarahales.com and sign up to our newsletter where we share loads of tips and tricks uh, for the small business owner. Thanks so much for listening and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to All Things Small Biz. You can get more tips and find out about all the latest stuff we've got going on at the Ecom Hub on Instagram and Facebook. That's at the underscore E-C-O-M-M underscore H-U-B. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening.